Hello and welcome to yet another midweek special edition of Lead Rugby Banter during the Rugby World Cup. Uh, once again, it is Alex who is hosting this week, unfortunately, if you want to call. And that's due to the fact that Adam has still not recovered from his glass of wine that he had on Friday night. Um, he messaged earlier to say he thinks it might have been uh, someone slipped something into his drink. But um, he checked the CCTV footage at the bar and there was, he was the only one there. So, not possible. Did he, um, could he have slipped something into his own drink? He might have, yeah. That's possible. Um, there's a number of different theories going around. But the bottom line is he still is under the weather and therefore won't be joining us again. But we have Ant. Ant, how are you doing? I'm very, very well, thanks. And yourself? Uh, I'm okay, yeah. Um, I'm still... I'm, I'm trying to overcompensate. I might sound happy, but I'm, I'm trying to cover up the fact that I'm not going to Japan with Phil. Um, I'm pretty jealous. I saw no, him for a, yeah, I saw him, I saw him for a drink on Monday, and he was just rubbing it in. So um, that sounds like Phil. It does. Yeah, he's he's actually a literal piece of shit. And <laughs> we are also joined on the other side of the continent by Ben. How's it going, Ben? Uh, not not great to be honest, Alex. Oh, um, okay. My throat's a bit sore. Um, I broke my phone. Um, there's something wrong with my car. What's wrong um, with And and I'm not going to Japan. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, like the engine lights on, and then I took it to the guy, and then he's like, "Oh no, like this is this is nothing serious." And I was like, "Well, you you know you're gonna fix it because the light's still on." And he was like. No, it's, it's nothing serious. This is classic, like, Mauritian service right there. So, yeah, and now, like, I, I don't know, maybe it's, like, a mental thing, but I don't feel like the car has as much power as it used to. Uh, and, like, yeah, I don't know. yeah I've had it's, that. it's got it. It's, it's got it in my head, yeah. Yeah, I've had that before. It might, it, sometimes it's just that, like, a plug isn't properly plugged in. Yeah, that's what I, well, I pres- If the guy's like, oh, no, it's yeah. minor, then he must fix it. Like, yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to get too te- too technical about mechanics, um, but it might just be a loose plug. So. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Calm down with your jargon, Alex. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that you pitched us your problems in increasing order of severity from the sore throat to the broken phone to the dodgy car to the missed trip to Japan. Um, unfortunately, Phil is not yet available to fill us in because he only left today. Today is Wednesday. We're recording on Wednesday. Um, so tomorrow, Phil's going to arrive in Japan, hopefully. Um, and then by Sunday's episode, we hopefully will have our first segment of, of Fill Us In with Phil. Um, but until then, we've got some quarterfinals to talk about. Um, as is tradition, there are four quarterfinals, and they're all happening this weekend, which is great. The first two are going to be England, Australia, and New Zealand, Ireland. That's happening on Saturday. Then after that on Sunday, Wales, France in the morning, and Japan, South Africa. So for today's episode, the four, the three of us are going to go through the games one by one, talk about talk about uh, what we think is going to happen, who we think is going to be taking the field for each team, and um, ultimately predicting the scores. So El Clasico, 2003 uh, Grand Final, Johnny Wilkinson, Jason Robinson, uh, whoever was playing for Australia at the time. We all know how that ended. 
England and Australia. What's going to happen, guys? Who's, who's going to win? Are we going to see a repeat? Or is there going to be revenge from the Aussies? Well, it won't be revenge because I think Australia beat England in 2015 World Cup. Is it going to be revenge for the English? Uh, yes, I think so. Okay. What do you think, Ant? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, if you look at the head-to-head since the last World Cup, it's I mean, it's kind of as one-sided as one yeah, can have, have Australia actually beaten England since the no, last World it's Cup? Eight 8-0. Oh, wow. 8-0. <laughs> it's 8-0 it's in favour of, of England, which was, uh, what is interesting, though, is the average scoreline is the same England-Australia as Australia-New Zealand. Uh, 35-20 in favour of uh England and New Zealand, but yeah, Australia have at least taken three out of eleven wins off New Zealand. But no, no, but, but has England toured Australia in that time? They must yeah, have. Yeah, how else did they get to the three the three tests in Australia and they dicked them? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's not good for so Australia. So the last, yeah, last time they uh, got a good result against was when they dumped them out of the World Cup in 2015. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a good one. Yeah, if you're going to pick one out of nine games to win, you want that to be the one. That is the key one. But it's going to be quite spicy because obviously Eddie Jones and Michael Chekhov are the club's mates from back in the day. So there's quite a lot of history going into this one. Yeah, I'm sure Czech would be very, very keen to get one over for a change. Yeah. Back in those days, they must have had like a weekly practice for shit-talking because both of them seem to have taken that out of their professional careers more than anything else. Yeah. But, uh, well, they say the, 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 the old Randwick rivalry. Yeah. yeah. But um, talking about that, so I think it was the 1014 or one of the other high quality rugby analysis uh, platforms on the internet. I mean, apart from ours. Don't include, yeah, don't include us. But um, they basically, when they're breaking down, you know, what, what does it take to make a rugby World Cup champion team? And one of the factors they identified was like past trauma. So having a disappointing finish in the previous World Cup seemed to be a trend um, in the lead up to a, a famous Rugby World Cup victory. So, and for that reason, they highlighted England having been dumpstered out of pool stages in their home World Cup in 2015 as you know having a particular point to prove and therefore being very likely to go all the way. Um, I think it's fair to say that Australia, um, maybe not trauma, but have been under sort of chronic stress for the past, I don't know, eight years even. Oh, like, like four years ago, they were in the final, but I don't know if they really deserved it. Yeah, but that was off the back of, that was, a, I mean, that was why I had chicken. Yeah, they came from nowhere, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, so uh, just Australia... us and even being on the other side of the draw. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is the thing, like, I, I feel like Australian rugby is at pretty much the weakest it's been... For yeah, for like I think I think this is this is the weakest we've ever seen Australian rugby. Well, like in our sort of yeah, yeah, um, sort of, yeah, well, probably yeah. is yeah. Because we've always we've always said like, like think of, think about how many times we've we've said you know it doesn't matter how bad Australian teams are in Super Rugby they can always put together like a world class or like top tier starting fifteen. But I, I'm not yeah. so sure that's true anymore. If you look at their starting fifteen, like there are a lot of weaknesses. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe let's start with that. Who who what what kind of approach do you think we're going to see from the Wallabies on Saturday in terms of their team dynamic? I mean, probably similar um, to what happened under most of Chico. I don't know if he's got the ability to mix things up, so to speak. 
Yeah. He doesn't have the he doesn't really have the players to mix things up either that much. Like he's really just got to. So you think it's pretty think, limited, yeah. So we we're talking Nicerani, uh, Pokar, Hooper, Lustria. Yeah. I mean that makes sense given history, but also given who England are going to play. Right. So we because if if England play Underhill, Curry, Vinopolo. Yeah. It's kind of the same dynamic, right? I mean, it's almost, the same, same. Yeah. It's almost identical. Like, Vunipola is just like a rich man's Nicerani. And then. Yeah, and then Andy and Curry are like a poor man's Hooper and Poker. Exactly. So it kind of yeah, balances but, out. Vunipola can't jump in lineouts, which does give Australia quite a key yes. advantage. Yeah. The, the, um, thing is that, the thing is that um, Itoje is so good at lineout time. So is Arnold. I mean, Arnold's a very good lineout operator. No, no, fair. but. Uh, yeah, but but in in my kind of thing, like if you ha- it was almost like Matfield, like you know you knew the ball was going to Matfield, but you couldn't really do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, I think that, that, yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting. I, was, battle. I think it's more on, more on um more on Australia's ball potentially. Like they can they'll be able to mix up their lineout sufficiently to be able to retain their own ball. I think that's. Traditionally, you know, the England strong point against Australia has been set piece, um, but Australia weirdly have had quite a good set piece in the last yeah, six the, months. The, the scrum, scrum's looking all right. So based on that, like, I think the the, mm. the game is not going to be decided in the traditional um, like it's a, place. It's actually it's actually a bit weird because normally, if you think about it, you would say in a classic England versus Australia game. England will have yeah. the better forwards and Australia will have the better backs. That's yeah. kind of how. But now it's almost it's almost reversed in this game. Actually, it's quite a mm. well. I think it's quite it's an interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Fun. I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what the backline shapes up um, as for both teams because they've both got a bit of uncertainty around the ten jersey, with you know let's say two candidates in Farrell and Ford for Australia, but. Most likely, I think we'll see both of them take the field uh, forward into no, the as well. I think that's, that's the way they've kind of been building towards it. Yeah. Um, especially with year 13, they're not going to go with, mm. you know, who else is there really their 12 options, to be fair? Uh, good question. Let's 13. have a look at the squad. Uh, Joseph's 13. Fuck. Yeah. They, I mean, Daly, Daly oh, has some history at centre, well. but I don't think they, they haven't. He has really history at 13, doesn't he? Yeah, so they would yeah, play him. More of a thirteen than a, than a twelve. The thing I is, think, I think going, going from going from somewhere, someone like um, fuck, who's the who's the guy now, the big centre? Um, Ulangi. Yeah, going from Tuilangi to Daly, it's such a shift in game plan. Mm. Yeah, like okay. Either so, way, I mean, no matter what happens, Tuilangi's gonna play. It's more just so then it's about finding who can you know bring him most into the game. That'll be a ten twelve, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty right. I mean, so no, the other you... options in the squad are, are Henry Slade and yeah, Piers Piers Francis, who both seem to have been. And used... He's a twelve. Yes, yeah, so, but they so they could have <laughs> played him at twelve with two Luggy thirteen and Farrell ten, right? But I think they've used him it's as a, yeah, more I mean, of like the backup for the the, the Minnow games, which suggests that they are going yeah, with yeah. the Ford Farrell combo. Yeah, no, I think I think we're just quite clear they're going for four. Yeah, I think yeah. the England backline is to be honest pretty set. I don't think they'll. Do you, do you think do you think they'll go for Cock and a singer? I think no, I think they'll go May May Daly Watson. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering because who? So and then who do you think the Australian back three will be? Corabetti, Dan Hennepetti, left wing, and Beal. And then maybe Pattaya. Yeah, I don't know if you. I don't know if he's ready. And right wing. Yeah, well, other options are hard. I don't know. To to, to be honest, if, if I was if I if I could pair someone against Cock and a singer, I'd rather pair Pattaya because you'd back him to run round him at least. Yeah, and again, the other options are. I mean, you can either play Beal at fifteen and then um, Daniel Pelly at fourteen, but that's not super encouraging. Or you can play Old Man Adam Ashley Cooper, which is also not great at fourteen. Or you yeah. can try play Reese Hodge. He hasn't had the game. But yeah, yeah. It's kind of okay. again, their hands are relatively tied. I think for me, the big question for the for Australia is is who do they back at nine and ten? Because, you know, oh, jeez, you okay, Ben? Oh, sorry, I just put my laptop down. Oh. Okay. Um, it feels like in the last than... in the last twelve months or so, like the the sort of very settled combination of Genia and Foley has just gone completely to pot. So. Well, to be fair, Foley hasn't been great in the last four years, let alone the last. You know, a couple of months. No, agreed. Um, but they were still they were still backing him, right? They still seemed dead set on him being like the guy. And now suddenly, like as yeah, the World okay. Cup started, they were like, "Oh fuck, who's our best fly half?" And no one seems to know. So now suddenly they br- they're oh. bringing in like Matt Tamu and Christian Lefano, who weren't really part of the central core team before. Yeah, that's because Lefano had cancer and Matt Tamu yeah. was in Australia, I mean England. So yeah. they've only just become options in the last couple of months. So that's why. Oh, um, oh, oh. I would play. I would play Genia Tamua because if Genia, Genia hasn't been my, great. My logic is Genia can win you a game by himself. If you know, if Genia has, you know, sometimes he just pulls out one of those completely, like unfathomably good games, mm. like back Yo, up all the dice. I just no, think but like, like, like no, no, but it's not that much of a big call because Genia. If he doesn't have that game, he's still a good player. Mm, again, think... not so much this year. He hasn't ben, been playing to the level that he's needed to. Ben, do you, do you think that kind of magic is enough to beat England? Or do you think you need to take like a, a bit more of a measured, slow and steady, get the basics right kind of approach? The thing is, I, think... I, I, I don't think converting the basics from this Australian team is good enough to beat England. They're going to need something special. So you think they're just they're running gonna... They're gonna need like they're gonna need Beal to have a stunning game. Mm. They're gonna need Pocock to kind of you know be at his most irritating. Yeah. And then I was thinking ideally they're gonna need Genia to just you know have a free de Priya 2007 versus England kind of game. So do you think they basically go for the min max and they just put all their playmakers, all the most X factor players they have on the field? And just roll yeah, the dice that, on that, the fact that they all... They that, all that's in up. my opinion, because yeah. keeping it tight or whatever and playing it safe, that that's not going to... They, they they don't have the... You know, that that's playing England at their own game, really, and yeah. they're going to get fucked up. Okay. I don't know. I disagree with that. I think, you know, they, Australia were good against New Zealand um, in Perth when they had Nick White at 10, against Wales when they had Genia... Sorry, at 9, and when they had Genia at 9 against Wales, they were useless. Genia hasn't been great or on form, and Nick White's played really well this year. He has been that threatening factor. Um, okay. I would definitely back him ahead. And then, but yeah, I think Tamu is definitely the, the form ten at the moment. 
um, kind of everyone's been saying it, but playing Begenia Foley against Wales was just an absolutely terrible selection decision. Um, you know, and you look, if you look at the relative scores, they were, what, 27-3 down mm-hmm. um, until they brought on Nick White and Tamua. And then they won the second half, like 20 points to three or something. You know, they completely changed the game around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to put you guys under pressure now for a score prediction. Yeah. I'll say England by 12. Okay. And? Yeah, same. I'll probably stick to the average and say it'll be around 35 to around 20. I don't, I don't think it'll get that high scoring. I think it'll be about 25, 10 around there. Hmm, okay. So England by, England by 15, in other words. No, England by 12. Okay. It, it'll be around <laughs> I'm 25, so, 10. I'm so glad you don't my accountant, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not an accountant anymore, Alex. I'm a legal advisor now. Okay, cool. Um, all right, guys, let's move on to the uh, next one. Um, oh, mainly text. New Zealand, Ireland. Um, both teams that came into the World Cup expecting to not really see each other until at least the semi-finals. Well, until the semi-finals. Um, no, wait, until the final, actually. Right? Yeah, because Ireland would be on yeah. our side of the draw, ideally. Yeah, so they were expecting to hopefully meet each other in the finals, I think. Um, Ireland, number one on the rankings heading into the World Cup. New Zealand, number one for about two decades before that. So definitely two powerhouse teams. But are they performing at their peak level? What do you think, guys? How's their World Cup been so far to 10? Oh, you can't really judge New Zealand given... They've, they've only had, had one game against they've us. They've only had one proper game, which was like a month ago. Yeah. And how do you think they uh, went against us? I, mean, I, I thought they played quite poorly, to be fair. Yeah, I agree. I thought, no, sorry, I thought they played quite well against us. Given uh, well, their recent form. They played uh, fine. Mm, I wasn't yeah. expecting much different. Okay. Um, and Ireland, um, how do you think they're faring? They were very I mean, good against Scotland. But then they were... They weren't... They were more shocked than anything against Japan. Yeah, but I mean, is, yeah, is that, is that a sign of Russia? Is that a sign of mental fragility, though? Yeah, I, I, I personally think, you know, my theory on Northern Hemisphere teams touring. Yeah. I think they're a long way from home. The conditions don't suit them. New Zealand can easily play the same game plan Japan played if they wanted to. They have the, mm, they have the ability. Sure. So, um, with that in mind, who do you think? Do you, do you think uh, New Zealand will stick with the formula that they came in, they brought into this World Cup cycle, which is the dual playmaker 10-15 instead of 10-12, like England? Or do Definitely. you think we're going to see Barrett moving back to his preferred 10 jersey? No, they they got to they got to play what they got to play more than 10 Barrett 15. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then... Well, I, I, no, I, I don't really agree with that, to be honest, but... But do you think I that's, think what, they, do you think that's will, what Hansen will do? They, I, think, I think Hansen will do that. Okay. And, and, then, and who, do you think, who do you think sees the number 11 jersey? Are they going back to Rico, or do you think they're going to stick with Bridge? No, they've got to stick with Bridge. Again, they they with Bridge now. Okay. Um, any other potential selection surprises? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think we'll see you know, Brody... Um, back at lock, which will be nice. Well, for yeah. them, and not nice for the Irish. 
Um, the loose trail will be that same, slightly weirdly imbalanced one. Yeah. Um, with RDK and Reed. I think it'll be pretty much the same team we see, except with Brody in there. And who, of, who do you um, who do you think the centers will be? Do you think they'll play Sonnyball? Do you think he'll stop? I think that's where the, the the trickier part is comes in. Is, is does Sonnyball play, or is it going to be Crotty ALB? Because yeah. I think ALB has to be there, and Sonnyball will either be starting on the bench. Well, they look. They they they're likely going up against Henshaw and Ringrose, right? Because Aki's been banned. Um, although I, I did see that his legal team is launching a last minute bid. Uh, for freedom, but Henshaw and Ringrose is not as physically imposing as Aki, so does that give them a bit of license to go with like a bit more of a cerebral midfield pairing? So, uh, for example, I don't think they need to rely on like Jack Goodhue this this round, for example. Um, no, I don't. I don't think Goodhue is necessary now because you don't need his stopping power. Yeah, but or or do you think of it the other way and think well? They've got no stopping power, so you just put in the battering ram. No, the Irish can tackle. Eh? Like I don't think well, but New Zealand know. also don't think like that's how South Africans think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think Sunny Ball was a deliberate play against us because they needed someone that could, you know, a big boy up front that could slow, yeah, or draw our defenders um, sure. and get that pass away. I, I don't think they'll need that against Ireland. Okay. Um, any surprises that? Do you think Ireland will spring, or do you think it's just going to be the stock standard lineup? The, the, I, don't, I don't think it's made for surprises. To be fair, yeah, no, it's not. It's not the. It's not the way Ireland do things. They've been planning for this for like eight years. Yeah, they're not gonna. But I mean, how much of it lives and dies on 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 Johnny Sexton? Eighty percent. <laughs> okay. Get that then. Okay. Magical. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no matter um, how yeah, the numbers come out the same. Okay. Cool. No, um, yeah. From, from a tax added actuarial perspective, we both came to 80%. I don't think we need to dwell on this too much longer in that case. Um, let's just get down to the meat. Who do you think is going to win and by how much? New Zealand, 35-10. New Zealand are good. They're a lot better than Ireland, at least at the moment. So, or the current Irish side without one of their key players. So New Zealand um, by 25? Well, it's just, that sounds like a lot. But it, that, it is a lot. No. Final against the number one. Well, are they no, that, that's too much. I think it's going to be New Zealand by like five or something. The, yeah, Irish, are gr- the Irish are gritty. Look, I mean, we, we haven't spoken about the, the um, refereeing panels for each game. But uh, this game's got Nigel Owens on the whistle, um, who's famously he's given gonna away. He's going to let it flow. He, yeah, he's, he's given away like the fewest, I think, penalties uh, out of all the refs so far. So is that a good thing for New Zealand, who, you know, infamously just get yes. away with whatever they want? Or do we think you know, his no-nonsense, his famous no-nonsense attitude is going to mean that he's got an eye on them the whole time? And the only no, reason but his no-nonsense gonna... attitude is more, it's more towards like behavior and stuff. It's not really towards the rules. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they do a lot of kind of, you know, spoiling stuff. Um, yeah, I think if they try bullshit, you know, like rolling the ball forward before yeah. they kick for poles or whatever, yeah, he'll call them out on that. And but it, generally, he's in favor of a flowing game, so he will. Yeah. Generally, I think they can get away with a bit more drug time, and then suddenly playing Kane and Ardy makes a lot of sense if the ref is 
Yeah. Kind of letting you do what you wanted, but at ruck time, yeah. Okay, so and and you're sticking with AB's uh, by by twenty five. And... Twenty. I'll thirty okay. ten. I don't okay. think Ireland are going to score much, and I think New Zealand are going to score around thirty ish. Okay, Ben, what are you thinking? Um, I think New Zealand, but by single digits, so seven. Ooh, interesting. No, I think it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be gritty. I'm telling you. Seven, eh? okay. Um, James is away. James. James is not <laughs> I don't think James likes the, likes the sound of single digits. Um, so I'm gonna bump it up to no, eleven. No, uh, yeah, bump. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Alex is Alex is walking the line here. He's being Mr. Bloody Switzerland on this. Uh, I can tell you, my personal super brew pick was ten. He's in by ten. Okay. So do do with that information what you will. Are you are you, are you trying to keep your your record uh, higher than this, the podcasts? No, this is these picks were made as soon as the quarterfinals were announced. I, I that's what I'm you. trying to say. You're trying to influence no, the podcast. Um, oh, no, I see what you mean. But uh, but the away podcast, from your... But the podcast isn't in our pool, is it? No, the podcast is only in the big pool. Yeah, we're not really. Yeah, but they're still individual brag. Well, I've I've showed my hand, so you you can adjust your picks if you, if you need to. Um, but yeah, I said so. I, just for the record, I said England by nine, New Zealand by ten. Um, so there you go. Uh, all right, let's move on to the third game, which would be the first game on Sunday, and this is the one that I'm finding like nearly impossible to pick because every time I think all the evidence is pointing one way, that just convinces me more and more that it should I should be picking the other way. Uh, and that's of course Wales taking on France. Um, Wales with uh, decent wins over Uruguay, Fiji, and Georgia, all in double digits, but then only beating Australia by four in a good match. But uh, yeah, I mean that's a decent. And not the, great. The, the winning yeah. against Uruguay was super unconvincing. Yeah, the the margin but was that, good. That, but that the, was, it was it was their second team. Well, they, they were winning seven six at halftime, so not great. But then France, yeah, but that one... France by comparison. A 24 margin win over USA, so you know, great. But then only beating um, Argentina by two, which is uh, that was a close game. I was expecting Argentina to win, so not a problem. Only squeaked a win against Tonga by two as well. So, again, the French just—I mean, do you do you pick a team that beat Tonga by two <laughs> to win a quarterfinal? Um, is it even recognizable as the same team? I, I don't know. Uh, so I think let's start with the French and consider you know what do the french need to win a quarterfinal is it is it the same as we were saying about australia where you just put all the expected players on the pitch and just hope that everything goes the right way they don't have a choice they only have expected players (laughs) yeah Um, yeah, do they not even bother i think the french just need to decide they're gonna they're gonna have to front up for one yeah, they've got a massive pack, right? We were talking about how they've got Latun. Le- um, yeah, they've got almost... They've hit it. They're like 970 or something. Yeah, they're, they're close. Pretty damn close. Yeah. And that, is that with or without um, the... Was it? The coup de chat? <laughs> the, neck, the, the neck to Camille chat. I'm assuming that's with the neck. Um, assuming... Yeah. I, I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, generally it, when you weigh, generally when you weigh people, you include the weight of their necks. Yeah, but generally their weight of their neck isn't the same as a fucking Hilux. 
<laughs> yeah, true. I'm, I'm true. really interested to see what they go with in terms of uh, Camille Chatou seems to be their first choice hooker, or if Guillaume Garado's uh, French Revolution has borne fruit. So that, the thing is, was he the first choice, or was he just you know because he played against Tonga and he was with other teams? Like he played against the crap teams, and Garado played against the good teams. So did I can't remember who started against Argentina. Did that was Gerardo. So yeah. it's just like, not necessarily that he was being dropped. Yeah. He just wasn't playing against the weak teams, which is a, quite a normal thing to happen. So it's did, a weird. Did the, friend, did the French not understand squad rotation, and then they just got angry? <laughs> that know. would not surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all if 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 their uh, team announcements are anything as confusing as their referee calls, then it would be a bit uh, mystifying even to the players. But um, maybe that's the problem. Education is just a terrible thing in France in general, irrelevant yeah. to whether you speak French or not. Yeah, they're all just they're all just passive aggressive. So when Guillaume Garde <laughs> goes up to the to coach to, to Jacques Brunel and goes, Coach, am I am I starting this weekend? And Jacques Brunel's just like I don't know, Garada, you tell me. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just well, takes it personally. Yeah, no, I just don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> Um but okay. Like you are the captain. Yeah, you are like, you are the leader yeah, of this. Does that mean team. I'm starting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what you think, Guillaume? Um <laughs> Guillaume. <laughs> but uh, okay, let's switch, let's switch over to Wales and talk about their campaign. <laughs> They've got three players who are questionable because of injuries, right? They've got Dan Bigger. They've got Jonathan Davies. Apparently and... he's okay, but. Uh... Yeah, and then the last one's George North. So three. Those well, are good players as well. Yeah, yeah well, two pretty... two pretty important players and George North. Um, yeah, George North is the least important. That no, he's good, but he's the yeah. least important of those three to the yeah. Welsh team. Well, if you think about because of Anscombe's injury, they're already on there. Yeah, Bigger's already second choice. Uh, George George exactly. North is, is that, just he's issue. he's just the Welsh Nair of our like I don't think he's that good. I like him. Uh, I liked he does him. his job. I liked him when he Pretty made effective. Israel Falah look stupid. That was fun. I didn't like it when he scored two so tight on No, Israel Falah yeah. makes himself look stupid every day. <laughs> um, anyways, then... Yeah, look, yeah, I think, so I think that... my assessment is, is that the French don't need form to play well. The French have been quite poor throughout this tournament, but that doesn't matter. Whereas the Welsh are very much more of a systems kind of consistency-driven team, and they've been quite poor. Mm. Um, so that definitely gives me a lot more nerves about calling the results because yes, you should it should be Wales, but without great form behind them, who knows? And with a lot of injuries to top players, it really yeah. does make it a much trickier. Um, yeah, so I think for them, yeah. Davy, uh, Jonathan Davies and Dan Bigger is really important for their game plan. No, but it's it's quite a weird one because. If Wales play badly and France play badly, Wales will win. Yes. If I, Wales play well and France play badly, I, Wales will win, obviously. I, I don't know, actually, about that first one, because it's almost like that thing about, you know, arguing with an idiot and they drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. The French are so used no, no, to playing no. badly that they'll just be in the element. Whereas yeah, the, the, Welsh, the no, Welsh will start panicking not, but... about the fact that they're playing badly because they're all sort of anal or retentive about sticking to Gatlin structures. Oh, you, you think they'll just get all stressed and stuff? Yeah, and then the, French the French won't even like... sweat it. They'll just be like, yeah, this is, this is how rugby is meant to be played without a, without yeah. a game plan or any sort, I, any sort I of structures. I agree with Alex on this one. Mm. Okay. 
that that so- sound logic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> like, we'll we'll find out, I guess. Um, okay, no, but but then, then on the other end, if the French play well, it's a mid point. They can beat, they can beat anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, so I, I don't know. Like everything about this fixture is, is like screaming for an upset. I think. Like, I just think that the other quarterfinals are so predictable, <laughs> and there's got to be at least one that goes, you know, not to, not to script. And I feel like it's going to be this one, but I don't quite have the balls to say it on Super Brew. So what I'm getting at is that I want the credit without any of the risk, and I'm going to use this pot as my vehicle for that. Any, any objections? Yeah. You guys happy with no, picking, picking for us? Look, I mean, at, yeah, at like worst, think... we, we get called edgy, so that, that's always good. And at best, we, at best, we can say, I told you so. Maybe maybe the Scottish will sue us for this and we can finally get the recognition we want. They're, they're a bit stretched at the moment. I don't know if they've got the resources to dedicate to this. If they, they, could just, they could just put a paralegal on us. They can assign one person the ERB case. Put the rest of their yeah. on, on World Rugby, I think. Um, uh, is, it, is it outrageous to pick, Sco- to, pick, to pick France for this? What do you guys think? I don't it's think Wales like form is great. I would say it's probably a 30% chance of France winning. I like those odds. What would you say? What would you say the percentages are for the other teams very quickly? Just I would say England about 80%, New Zealand about 85%, South Africa about 90%. That sounds about right. I don't know if I feel like Australia are more likely or less likely than. Yeah, no, okay, fair. Yeah, I'd yes. say maybe 60, 35% France. We, I think they're probably more likely than Australia. And Australia more than... Yeah, this is, you're right, this is the quarterfinal where there's most likely to be an upset, not yeah. just because it involves France. These are the two teams that are the closest. Yeah. Guys, can we just take a moment to appreciate like how good the the quarterfinals actually World are this year? Well. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. Um, but <laughs> just like just generally like these these are some great quarterfinals like there's some great hype about yeah I mean games. all of them are good matchups that are going to be enjoyable games uh, yeah. I agree um, that's pretty cool yeah, we've had we've worked with the quarterfinals at the last World Cup South Africa uh, Wales close Australia uh, Australia Scotland which was very close New Zealand yo played... was it well, that, that was like 6-9 or some shit wasn't it no that was the one where um Scotland were, met, were given a weren't given an offside penalty in the last play of the game with a kick to win. Classic, classic Scots. Um, so it's like 27, 26 or something. Fuck. Yeah. Do you know um, what? They should probably put a lawyer on that as well. They should. Yeah. I wonder if it's, if it's already passed the prescription. <laughs> yeah, it's prescribed statute of limitations. Um, okay. who, who did Argentina play? Oh, jeez. Didn't they? <laughs> Who played New Zealand? Uh, yeah, I was going to say New Zealand. They played, they played no, because they played in the semi. Yeah, they played Australia. in the semi. I don't know. I don't even remember. They no. play Ireland? Ireland must have made it out of their pool. Did New Zealand they, beat Ireland in the semi? Ireland made it out of the pool, but only just, I think. They, they didn't, they didn't yeah, but Ireland, Ireland never got past the quarterfinal. That's like yeah. what they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say France by, by one. What do you guys think? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say Wales by one. Oh, okay, thanks, Ben. Uh, Ant, that's all on you. I'll say 
um, France by three, just to give Alex the, oh, the shout. Beautiful. Okay, so we're going France by two. <laughs> we'll go France by one, so we cover the... France, France by the, one. Okay, France by one. Um, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's just going to be fireworks non-stop. And, and it's great for us because we play um, whoever wins, assuming the next game goes according to plan. So, without further ado... The main event for the weekend, the main event for the episode, uh, Japan taking on South Africa in Tokyo Stadium, capacity of 49,970. Uh, apparently, what's the TV audience going to be? Well, uh, we had that, that link on the Facebook group yesterday or today showing that the video TV audience combined to 6 million, I think it was, 6 million people. And that, 60. Oh, 60, 60, 60, 60 million. And that was a, a record. Um, so I'm going for 61 million. No, yo, yo, because the thing is, is watching this but movie. it's not like people can like double watch it though. Yeah, I mean, you get diminishing marginal returns, right? I mean, that's not true. <laughs> you watching it on your <laughs> on your phone and on your TV yo, at the same time. I just every device I have just switch to to try pump up those numbers. Yeah, every yeah. time every time the carry cups on, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm, I am the three curry cup viewers but um, anyway Dude, all right, so, so my big question about this game guys um, have Japan got anything left in the tank because they were so yeah, they were so like there. overwhelmed by emotion after making it out of the pool stage topping the pool stage which no one predicted um, other than maybe Rob Howley and they celebrated like they'd won the World Cup. And in an interview the next day, Michael Leach said to the press that he didn't even sleep that night. He was so kind of, like, pumped up. And that's not what, that's not, like, if I heard that, uh, like, the Springbok captain wasn't sleeping a week before a quarterfinal, I'd be a bit worried. So, like... Do you, know, they... you know what I would do then? I would, I would drop him and play Mostert because Mostert's a lot more mobile. Yeah, we do need more pace. <laughs> We do need a little bit more pace on the parks, I'm, I'm thinking. But we'll get to that. We'll talk about the, the quickest pack uh, with Mustard at 7 and... Uh, Peter Stepp at 6. Yeah, Vincent Koch at 8th man. But, um, okay, so, so Ant, do you reckon they've still got it? What no, I, I, would disagree. I would agree with your feeling. We've okay. seen it before where teams you know, build up in their head like a mini-final. And then when they overcome that very difficult for them to get up again for another big hurdle. Like, for Japan, they've achieved their goal making it this far. They mm. don't need to prove anything else to anyone. Um, so mentally, I think they've already, you know, kind of been like, ooh, you know, we're done. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does It does feel that way to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, barring probably 1995 and maybe even exceeding that, We've never seen a team with this kind of energy coming from their home crowd at a World Cup, so I guess we don't really know what the limitations are for for that kind of energy. Like, do they have? Maybe they've got one game left in them. I, I you know, I don't, I don't think I don't buy into the narrative that they can they can go all the way. Okay, if 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 Japan if Japan play as well as they played against Scotland, will they beat us? No, no, I don't think so. And that's probably the best they can play. Yeah, so... Oh, there you go. Okay. Look, I mean, the, I think the big yeah, question... No, look, I mean... Yeah? I struggle to look beyond the result from, you know, a couple of weeks ago that we... And, and we just because you, you were numbers, well. man. 
yeah. you you're not an emotional person. <laughs> no, I mean the thing is, is like it's not like it was a warm up game. They played a full strength side. We played a full strength side. The, yeah. You know, the game plan is not going to change since then. So it's yeah. not like they can suggest that oh, it's a different team now. Yes, sure, they've got a bit more form, but yeah. what worked for us, beat them, will work for us and beat them again. Yeah, uh, you know, and I don't think Russie's going to. Um, Russie's not Michael Checker as well Like, what, what I think what we'll do is we, when we have the ball we'll keep it in hand we'll keep it tight hmm. and when we don't have the ball we'll defend properly like it's not uh... yeah but okay so my my kind of question is um, you, you know they've all the talk in the media has been around like Matsushima and uh, Yutamura and Kenki Fukuoka, who have all been fantastic and deserve all the plaudits that are coming their way. But what the media or a lot of people seem to forget is that they, <laughs> up front, are relying on, with all due respect, guys like Vimpy van der Volt at Locke, who... <laughs> I, and Luke Thompson. Yeah, Luke Thompson. And like... And look, I'm a, you guys know I'm a massive Luppies fan. Like, I'm a huge fan of, of Luppies, Luppies, Daphne. But would he, make, would he make the current Springbok team? No. He's not better than Peter Stephen no. He's probably no. not even that much better. Like, I wouldn't say he's, he's much better tackler than, like, Dwayne or Sia. And that's pretty much what he does best. So... Is he Yeah. Sorry? Is he, is he more mobile? Is he more mobile than... Yeah, no, he's more mobile. Yeah, G one Q is more mobile than Sia. Like, yeah, if we could just get him into our back three, we'd be sorted. But uh, unfortunately, we checked his passport and he's not eligible. Um, he's already, he's already Korean playing in Japan. Yeah. It would be a bit dodgy jump ship again. We could just do a, a transfer for Matt. But anyway, my my point is, you know, like, what's the point of having all these fantastic and they are fantastic, you know, backline players? if you're not going to be able to get the ball to them because you're losing all the scrums and lineouts and, you know, getting cleaned off your own ball half the time by guys like Steven Kitsoff and Beast and Marks and Bongi. Um, and as, yeah. as, as technically proficient as I think Shot uh, Horia has been, he hasn't really been like a physical force. And Bongi, I think, is going to kind of have his way with him a little. So I think that's where the dominance yeah, goes. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think the Japanese pack definitely punches above their weight. And as you say, they are technically proficient. They do what they do very, very well. Hmm. But there's only so many times a small guy can pack, tackle a 120-kilogram guy. Like, it might work the first three, four times, but it's going to run out, and then we're going to break through. And that is it. But to, to, be, to be honest, like, as, long, as long as we have enough ball in the first 20 minutes, we'll break them. Yeah. Because you... We're just going to send our biggest guys running down channel number one until, you know, they just have sore shoulders and they stop. Mm. Like, you sound a bit like, uh, uh, you sound a bit like Zedem the, Null, Ant, with your, your big, your small on big theory. I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree, but we are, are going to test that to the limit. If South Africa gets a, a red card, I think Japan mm. could win it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this, this could be famous uh, last just, words, just, but I, I was thinking about it today, and like, I feel like we aren't really the kind of team that is prone to those sorts of mistakes, the kind of mistakes that we've seen 
befalling like the Tongans and like the yeah, like like, like we're not really big into like reckless cleanouts and stuff yeah. like that, and that seems to be and we, we're big enough that we don't have to. to. You just kind of bear, you just bear hug the guy and just drag him down, you know. Have we uh, given away our cards to him? I don't think so. Uh, no, we. No, I think did. I think Rusty's really got these guys in a good space, and I think Wait. one of the things that the Scots and the Irish couldn't keep up with was the pace of the game. But mm. I think we've got one of the fittest teams around. Um, you know, we've been finishing incredibly strongly every single game. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't think I, we get. I, I, I also think. I also think that the pace of the game is quick, but Super Rugby is quick. That they're basically playing Super Rugby, Rugby. Yeah, and it's exactly. just amazing. It's amazing these Northern Hemisphere sides. Yeah. Like, oh, what's going on? What's going? On? And you're like, mm. bro, it's fucking on every weekend for 22 <laughs> weeks a year. Yeah, and ironically, that's the one. Yeah. T- that's the one that's, part that's of the year. Just... Yeah, uh, which was sorry, comparing first and second half performances of Northern and Southern Hemisphere teams. And the Northern Hemisphere teams were all start, starting very well, but they were being completely outplayed in the second half against Southern Hemisphere teams, yeah. which ties into the fact that you know, they just can't handle the pace of the game. You know, they can keep up with it for a while, but eventually they run out of fitness. Yeah. Um, you know, so that will play into the hands of Japan against, you know, Scotland and <laughs> Ireland, but it's not going to help against us. Yeah. 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 Look, I mean, I, th- I think that that has been the secret weapon for the Japanese is that they just simply do not stop. And you know, with a big, you know, slightly less mobile team, especially if C is playing, there's a concern that we might run out of gas in the last, you know, twenty thirty minutes of the game. And I must say that we did. I've, I felt like we flagged off against Namibia and Italy and Canada. Um, not that those yeah, are necessarily other in- yeah yeah that's what I'm saying so not not that that's necessarily indicative of any of a problem uh, I mean we were up like 50 points against against Canada so you know. exactly I think that that's a motivation thing rather than a tiredness thing I think people yeah. just it's difficult to care when you're that high up yeah um, on the sport. but but for you whatever reason we haven't we haven't been playing 80 minute matches so it might be that we're not fully prepared for well, we did against New Zealand. Yeah, we did. Um, I think we've got proved in our history that this team can do it if they I need don't, to. Yeah. I don't think the the subs have had the impact I've wanted from them this World Cup. That's true. Mm. Um, in the past, our subs have definitely been more effective. Yeah. It's a good time to start now. Uh, but, okay, speaking of the subs, I've got a question because this is what someone posed to me on Twitter. Do we go with the traditional bench? Or because of our dominance over their forward pack, do we back a 6-2 split? I I hate a 6-2 split because it, it, yeah, makes, it makes the backline injury so so significant. No, I'm, I'm not a fan either, but what do you think Rassi will do? Because he's played a 6-2 split recently against Italy. Who do you play against? Yeah. Italy. And it backfired because then yeah, we, went, think... we went to um, uncontested scrums. Contested scrums. Look, yeah, I think with our backline reserves, we can get away with it because if you've got Yankees and Stain and Slash Willem, so no, that's kind of all the yeah. like, um, yeah. and, I mean, the, positions covered. So yeah. it's not some versatility. It's just a where do we need to inject pace the most? And I feel like our starting forwards are all more than fit enough to go 80 minutes. Yeah. But I don't think we need to compensate. And I mean, if Archie Snowman after the Canada game was like, yeah, no, I'm still feeling fresh. I'm going to go ride a bike. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like in the one, what, like, what, like, what, so what would your six-two split be? Obviously, so, three front rowers, then, yeah. then what? Two locks and a Lucy, or a lock yeah. and two Lucy? So, so, so I go two the, locks. The big debate for this game is: Do you? Okay, so Ibn is starting in the number four jersey. So first of all, do you play Franco or do you play Luit with him? I've really argued on the Facebook group and on Twitter why I think it should be Luit. But then I also maintain that we should have Archias Neyman on the bench because of his energy to combat the you know yeah. that last minute rally I, I, Japanese. But if we do a think... split, we can have both. We can have both Franco and Luit, uh, Franco and Archias Neyman and Francois Lowe. and we yeah. just keep I like, the game in the I mean... channels. If, if we were to go 6-2, it would definitely be uh, Sneeman, Mostert, and um, Low on the bench. Yeah. yeah I, I would double up locks, not... Um, I wouldn't add another loose forward. No, especially because it, it, it would be Quacher. Like, he's basically yeah, Who we want to really bring in in that situation. Well, then, 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 it, then it gives it the famous... Uh, what would it be? A, a five and a half, two and a half. Bench. <laughs> yeah. Good maths, Ben. Um, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So I mean, that, it's going to be interesting. I, I can I can actually see like when when it was brought to my attention, I did actually start thinking that kind of makes sense, um, but it's still quite a long shot. Um, so I don't know if Rusty oh, really will. I don't think it's necessary personally. Yeah. Like I see the logic in it. I just I think our starting forwards are all fit and strong enough to go 80 minutes. Yeah. So we don't need to bring on another one to, you know, up the impetus type thing. Like, unless they're a different type of player. So Snaman bringing him on is a, just a fundamentally different player to Etzebeth and yeah. less so Lut. He will change the game. But bring on Franco, he's not, you know, he's not going to add energy. No, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, there's a number of different ways to skin the cat. So I, I can, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something we hadn't quite seen from, from Rusty before, but my money is still on him sticking to the to the script. Um, okay, yeah, so so with that in mind, uh, let's talk margins. Um, ben, I think you said earlier that there was a 90-10 split in chance of Saifka winning. So what does that say for your predicted margin? Uh, 90 points, obviously. Okay, 90 points. Good, got that. <laughs> no, um, I'll tell you... 18 maybe okay and um yeah I think it'll be similar to around that I think maybe 30 15 ish okay. score line okay interesting uh, um, call it 15 okay interesting my so my pick on Subaru is 17 um so, do you guys want to go even numbers on 16 or odd numbers on 17? I don't feel strongly on this. I feel like, odd, go, I feel like odd numbers are usually closer. I don't know, maybe I'm... Someone needs to do the math. Yeah, Which, I'd, what I'd score like lines given the... Yeah. Uh, I bet you super brewers data on this. More likely or which score lines people pick. I'd say people pick even numbers because people like even numbers. But yes, but I think they're wrong. I reckon, I reckon uh, odd numbers. Well, no, well, like the, the, theoretically, because you can't you can't score two in rugby. No. So you can only score three, three and up. Yeah. So 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 an, an an odd number is more likely because three is in play, but not two. 
one. If you know what I mean. Yeah. No, actually, no. That, makes, no, that means there's one odd and one even eliminated. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You always start with the odd number and then the even, then odd, then even. So the th- theoretically, there's more odds occurring than evens. Yeah. So, okay, in that sense. But also, I mean, if you think about, particularly this, at this stage, it's much more likely that a game's going to be determined by one score, uh, which is either going to be a three, a yeah, five, or a seven. Yeah, so that'll be odd, yeah. True. So that's kind of how I see it. But I mean, obviously, it's not that simple because there's all sorts of permutations. But anyway, enough on that. Uh, the ramblings of a frankly mad mind. I'm going with Saifka by 17. So to sum it up, uh, England by 12, New Zealand by 11, France by 1, and South Africa by 18. Happy? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any last no, I'll be happy about this. Um, I I don't know if I should share this with you guys because it might bring it to to fruition. Okay. But I had a nightmare two nights ago that South Africa got a red card at 15 minutes. Ooh. Who who got it? What was it for? Do you remember? Flo for a tip tackle. Flo? Yeah, I'm not sure why you're from another field. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's. <laughs> Okay. You know what? If you see the team sheet and flow starting, you're gonna be like, "Oh, oh God!" Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for for a number of reasons, but yes. <laughs> yeah, but I, I woke up in like a cold sweat. <laughs> Jeez, that sounds horrible. Being sorry to hear that. Okay. Uh, well, there you have it. My life. I'm not in a great place at the moment, guys. I won't lie. <laughs> Shame, Ben. Well, hopefully, hopefully the Springboks and uh, I don't know who do you want to lose more, England or Australia? England. Yeah, okay. Hopefully England and Australia or hopefully Australia and South Africa both win this weekend too. No, no, I've got all my my so um I'm playing I'm playing thirty six holes of golf this weekend. I'm gonna watch some rugby. It's my wedding anniversary, so I'll do something with nice with the wife. Okay. So my life is just looking up, really. Okay, yeah. It's all so I, do, I just I just need to get through Thursday and then then, you know, life's good. Okay. Well that's yeah. I believe in you, Ben. I think you can do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try work from home on Friday, even though I don't have a laptop. It's gonna be a bold call. <laughs> How does that even work? You just do, like, you just tap, just, tap just emails try, on your phone. I'm just gonna try to convince him. I'm gonna be like, oh, you know, you know, I'm playing golf like quite far away. I think I should work from home on Friday morning and just see what they say and see if they notice that I don't have a laptop. That's the kind of rationale that could only work in Mauritius. I need to work from home because I'm playing golf. Okay. No, but I'm playing golf like it's like networking event or something. I don't know. Oh, God, it's, it's even worse. It's, part it's of stressed part part of right now. job because they've had to like fast track my business cards now because they need my business cards need to be ready for this golf day. You know, I, in, case I, I, in case I've lost all sympathy for you. Ben. At the beginning of the pod, you tricked us into feeling bad for you because you said your life was going poorly, and now you're saying you're stressed because your business cards are being expedited. Like I'm not. I, I think, I'm not I think, stressed. I think we are stressed. Like, well, I think there's a very different standard for for anxiety in Mauritius and and the rest of the world. So uh, I'm actually I, I withdraw my my sympathy. What do you say? You get fluffed up on that island life and just, you know, yeah, becomes exactly. just too no, 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 no. It's, Everything's relative, guys. Like, you would, you would be, if your, if your engine light was flashing and the guy said, no, don't worry about it, you would get stressed, eh? Yeah, I would. Nah. And you go everywhere in a canoe fine. anyway. Does a, does a canoe even have an engine light? <laughs> exactly. 
You yeah. are the engine. It would never happen. Ed doesn't understand the Christian. <laughs> if I get a flashing light, I know exactly what's wrong within myself. <laughs> you know, eat, a, eat, a, eat a cupcake or something. Yeah, like the, the acid yeah. drop too early. Eat some sugar. <laughs> okay, uh, guys, that's that's enough. Of, uh, Ant's got to get back to studying. Um, and I think I've got to go make dinner or, or eat dinner or just look at it. I don't know what's happening tonight, but I'll figure it out. Um, and thank you very much for joining us. She's shouting dinner vaguely at you. Uh, she might be. I, I haven't listened. There was a bit of um, hubbub just now. It could have, could have been anything. She could uh, be in labor, Alex. Uh, it could be. could be. <laughs> I look forward to finding out when this podcast episode ends. Um, I'll update you on that next week. So with that in mind, and Ben, thank you very much for coming. Um, always a pleasure. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Um, I don't know why you do this to yourself, but we appreciate it. And all the best for the quarterfinals. We will be back Sunday slash Monday with a review and preview. No, not a preview. Yes, a preview. Um, well, still to be decided. But it, it could be anything. Uh, long story short, so, see you next it time. It couldn't, it couldn't be anything, Alex. It's going to be... You know, the only a certain number of permutations that it could be. Nah, you're not giving us enough credit, Ben. We could do anything. <laughs> we, okay. we could do no, anything. We can, we can just, like, we, we started off this podcast with a, an unaired 10-minute sequence on the pros and cons of life cover. So, like, who knows what we're going to do. Oh, do, 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 do you want to hear my new medical insurance theory? Okay, go on. Yes. That I, I don't have, uh, you know, like... Um, dental or glasses or whatever like so i just pay for that myself all i have is emergency cover yeah and it's like so all i have is like uh, they call it catastrophia okay so it's like just emergency cover so if i get like really sick suddenly or if i'm in an accident and then everything else i just you know pay for because i've, I've actually worked it out like I'm, i was just paying thousands and like mm. for like one pair of glasses a year or whatever yeah well, what about your your baby son uh, at the moment, he's on catastrophe, but then I'll put him on. Um, but all all the stuff, you know, like his vaccinations and stuff, that's mm. not covered anyway. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. that, that would be my main motivation for getting anything out of the van, you know, mm. hospital plan. Yeah. yeah. I think we've, we've Unless there's baby stuff being covered, then it's not really worth it. Yeah. As mm-hmm. long as you, you know, you're a fit and healthy human. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. people have different. Um, Diverging away from fit and healthy these days. My knee's actually a bit, a bit sore, so I might need to up my medical aid cover. Um, you know, they, they, they always say, you, you know you're over 30 when you no longer have a left knee and a right knee. You have a good knee and a bad knee. But this is the bad, this is the problem, is that it's it's my good knee that's sore. Oh, your good knee becoming your bad knee? Yeah. Oh, that's shit. Be an interesting race. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for my squash career. Um... Anyway, okay, guys, I think enough's enough. Uh, thank you again. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on Elite Rugby Banter. Cheers. <laughs>